sex talk Derek and Miley Cause sexuality is tough And okay sexist isn't good enough No Sex talk With Derek and Miley Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here, and I have another fellow colleague with me today. Lindsay, will you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, Erica. My name's Lindsay Brock. I am a licensed clinical social worker, and I have a private practice in Asheville, North Carolina. Come visit us. It's awesome here. I want to see Asheville so bad. (laughs) It is it is a great place. I love living here. I am the breakup therapist. So I love working with folks who are not necessarily going through a breakup, but are trying to get real about their love life and maybe their relationship patterns. And oftentimes, yes, that does mean like the heartache that comes with a devastating breakup. So that's the kind of work that I'm doing here in Asheville. Thanks for having me on. I'm so glad you're here. I talk a lot about on my on my podcast, relationship conflicts, sex conflicts, all the things. The most recent episode that came out, well, people in the future won't. <laughs> it won't be that episode, but episode 32 is all about relationship killers. So I'm sure we'll jump into kind of some of that too as we get talking here today. But let's just dive right into it. So when folks get to the end of a relationship or when their relationships are ending? Like, what are your folks, what do your clients see as kind of the toughest struggles that, that, that they go through? Honestly, I think that the toughest struggle that folks are faced with in 2018 in the day and age of technology is actually, actually just like breaking up. Mm, um, which yeah. that's kind of like a meta answer, but <laughs> a lot of folks come in and they've seen my website. They know that I'm like very focused on breakups and relationship trauma, but they're, they're presenting with something else, something that's like less scary or doesn't hurt as much as thinking about or talking about ending a relationship. And so you know, a couple weeks in, we'll start talking about, okay, actually, I'm, I don't know how to break up with this person. And so the hardest part of people in a breakup is actually a lot of what I see is actually just doing it. We are so connected through technology specifically that it's, it's just darn near impossible for a lot of folks, especially folks that have some attachment trauma or wounds to just do it. It's a really scary thing to do, to walk away from someone that you love. That's something that I actually find myself saying a lot in session, which is like, that's some of the hardest thing, you know, that's the hardest thing that someone might actually have to do in their lifetimes to walk away from someone that they just truly, truly love. Absolutely. I think you're totally right here. I think this is one of those things that we struggle with a lot generally, but then we have the added pieces of tech here of then pulling apart those networks. And what that looks like, and probably every time you have to do it, how that pain kind of reoccurs. Right. And I kind of liken it to a addiction analogy where folks are getting pulled back in by these things that feel good. It feels really good to know like what our ex is doing and like seeing their snap stories or seeing them on Instagram. And it's like a weird effort to, to have like our, our finger on the pulse of that. But it just prolongs these and complicates these connections that we're trying to to maybe change. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. As therapists, we we typically don't like do the whole like direct advice thing. But when you do make suggestions about like this kind of thing, like social media and when to cut ties or not, do you make suggestions about like whether or not they should remain friends on Facebook, remain friends on Instagram or Snapchat? Yes and no. You're right. We're not in the business of giving or I'm not in the business of like giving advice. I do have a couple exceptions that I allow myself <laughs> when I feel like someone is just really, really in the throes of something or are just, just being really, really hurt. And of course, safety. I'll, I'll maybe dish out some pretty directive suggestions like, hey, maybe this isn't such a great idea. But typically what I do is just ask, hey, do you feel better when you've realized you've, you've spent two and a half hours stalking your ex on social media? And it's, it's a genuine, curious question. There's no judgment in it and there's no expectation in it. But just like, hey, why don't you check in with yourself, you know, inviting folks to do that. Does it feel better to you? And do you feel better about yourself when you continue to keep this person in your life? Sometimes the answer is, yeah, it does feel better. That's rare. Usually the answer is like some defensiveness, a pause and then like a hard no, like, no, this feels, this feels really terrible actually. So that's kind of my way for them to give themselves their own advice, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that it's, I'm just over here laughing and I'm like thinking about how many times, because I think this applies not just with romantic relationships. I think when friends break up, this, this can feel Ugh. very simple especially with these carefully curated lives we have put online. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just yesterday, I found myself saying to someone who's going through a friendship breakup, like, dang, this sounds, I mean, it's just so, it's almost more complicated than with a romantic partner. There's so many layers to it and so much history often. But yeah, we put our best selves out there. So uh, it really sucks <laughs> to know that our ex is just killing it, you know? <laughs> It's so true. Like, oh, I just want you to not kill it for just a minute. Like, and the truth is, he or she is probably not actually killing it. You know, just like the rest of us out here. Like, right, right. Put out there is not at all the case. Right. So, I an excellent thing that you. How does this actually feel when you're doing this? Okay, is that path the best path for you? I think that's wonderful. So I want to jump right into the big thing that I'm sure my audience is really wanting to to hear from both of us is that breakup sex. We got to talk about it. Like, have you noticed or the conversations you've had with the folks you work with, how does that impact their ability to break up with people? Maybe they've prolonged. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. So breakup sex, everybody's doing it. <laughs> yes. It's not benefiting anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what I say to you, not necessarily my clients, but I am pretty straightforward and also pretty casual as you probably have come to realize at this point and with my clients as well. But yeah, breakup sex, everybody's doing it. It feels really good, you know, in the same way. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but in what we're talking about connection through social media, like connection through sex is like connection through social media, like heightened to the hundredth degree. So when we are with 
a person that we love or even that we're, we're giddy about or that has been a great distraction from our life or our stressors or whatever. So I'm not even talking about like head over heels love, but of course, certainly with head over heels love as well. Here with a person, our brain is releasing some feel good stuff that our body and our brain gets really, you know, oxytocin gets really used to feeling. Yeah. That bonding hormone is intense. Right. So we really like it. And also with sex comes endorphins and lots of oxytocin. So when we suddenly are depriving our body of these feel-good hormones and, and you know, an endorphin is like DIY painkiller, essentially. It makes it, it, it dulls pain in our body. Maybe DIY is the wrong word. Uh, a natural <laughs> painkiller. I, I was just thinking, I'm like, really, it is. It's like a natural, and it is totally a DIY painkiller. <laughs> <laughs> so we're used to ha- feeling these things. And then when they're suddenly gone, because we're not around this person, we feel like we're kind of withdrawing from these things. And so sex is this really quick, direct way to just get like a punch of these feel good things that uh, chemicals in our body that we're going to feel so much better when we have sex with our ex because we miss them and maybe we even love them. And also that doesn't last. So now we've we've kind of taken two steps back. Sometimes it feels like 10 steps back in terms of our like separation process. It is a prolonging detox of this person, if that makes sense. So it feels good. And of course it feels good. And so sometimes we just want to do things that kind of whip us out of our depression and our heartache and our heartbreak. I'm going to go have sex with this person because it's going to feel really good for lots of reasons. And I'm just going to totally disregard the fact that like, this is a bad pairing or this is, you know, not a healthy relationship or it's toxic or I don't love this person anymore, whatever, because we're we're kind of trading feels good right now to not feel so heartbroken. There are some pretty significant residual effects of it. This is one of those big ways that when we're dealing with that rejection, because even if we're the instigator of a relationship ending there is still a level of rejection that is happening. Oh, yeah. So I imagine that sex in particular allows us to avoid (laughs) every piece of those negative, uh, intense emotions. We just don't want to feel. We just want to walk away from, run away from, or have sex through. Right. To speak to that point of being an instigator of a, you know, breakup, I think back to... So, you know, as therapists, a lot of us get into this, right, because of our own stuff that we've worked through. And so something that I'm transparent about online is and on my website is, you know, something that a breakup, a pretty severe breakup I went through in college. I remember, and so I initiated this breakup and I remember someone saying to me, why are you so depressed? You're the one that broke up with him. And I lost it. I, I just remember feeling so confused for starters, like you're, you're right. (laughs) You're not wrong. I did. But then also like, why am I so like, I did want this, but it doesn't matter. You know, cognitively, we know this isn't good, or this is what I want, or this is what I need. Like feelings and the connection is just, can still be just so devastating. Even if like our rational brain knows this isn't what's best, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there's the element, and I'm sure this is something that you probably deal with in your practice all the time, is the element of grief. Can you talk about that a little bit? I really believe that like not every breakup results in someone needing to go to therapy. But the ones that do, usually it's an indicator of some seriously complicated grief. I mean, that's a ton of the work that I'm doing every day. And it's sometimes I use that word grief. Um, Sometimes it can be like really affirming and sometimes it can be off-putting circumstantially or given the individual. But that's what we're talking about. There's layers and layers of grief to most of these like really traumatic breakups. So we're, of course, grieving the person and not being with them anymore. A lot of us, I think, just assume that's what it is. But then there's these really just like multifaceted layers of we're grieving a future that we had talked about or that somebody had planned out in their head or that they had together. We're grieving our former partner's family. We can become really attached and really love their family and join them in holidays and rituals and and grieving and life, you know? So there's a lot of times a mourning or grieving of like a lost friend group. So often we're not just losing the person, but we're losing lots of people. So family, friends, rituals, you know, there are folks that have said, I can't go to temple or church anymore because this person's there. And so with that also comes like resentment and confusion and, and loss of identity often. It's like totally a systemic thing. Like it's not just about It's not always, I should say, just about the two people, but it's like, it's a disruption in the system. Yeah, absolutely. And as a sex therapist, I I work with couples and relationships and of various types all the time. And one of the things that I hear from them a lot is that person's parent is more like my parent. I am more close to these people than maybe my people. And oftentimes those are the folks that are saying like, I can't break up with this person. Yeah. Those are the folks that are coming in saying, everything's fine. Let's talk about work. And then it's like, okay, real talk. I love my partner's mom. (laughs) She cares for me. She is a surrogate mom for me. How do I break up with her? Because essentially that might happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so hard to face for so many of us. It's just really painful, you know? Yeah. When folks are dealing with these intense emotions, if you had like a a skill or a tip for them on something that they could be doing to be kind of working on this, like you said, I mean, not every one of these endings of a relationship necessarily needs therapy, but maybe there is a skill that they could use that might make it a little easier on them. Are you talking about specifically and kind of surviving the breakup? Yeah. Or maybe they're done with the breakup, but they haven't quite come back to themselves yet. Like, is there something they could be doing that, that would really maybe help them move, you know, forward just a little bit more than maybe they would have on their own? So my first thought is, and I have lots of thoughts right now. (laughs) If for folks that are feeling some pain, but not feeling like necessarily need to go talk to a therapist, I would just say really connection, connection, connection is so important. And so that would be with people face-to-face. I think of getting bigger than our grief. So often we try to like smush our grief into like a little tiny purse and a little bag and leave it somewhere. But it's like, no, it's there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How can we grow bigger than it so that it's not all consuming anymore? 
And so we do that with connection. So that means, yeah, okay, throw yourself a pity party, but pity parties are only helpful until they are no longer helpful. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sometimes we need to do that and and we need to be like, you know, get our cliched pint of Ben and Jerry's and like that tastes freaking amazing. And to really just say, okay, what is helping me feel better? Is this productive any longer? So when the answer is no, it is no longer helpful. I would say, you know, reach out to people, friends, community, family, if you are lucky enough to have people in your life where you can be vulnerable with and share this, get out of the house, put on pants, try to have a routine And that might mean introducing some new things, right? So we're trying to help our brain create some new associations with happiness that are not just associated with this person or the things that you did with this person. So there's a lot of like literal and physical movement that comes to mind of just like energy of getting out and growing larger than the grief, which seems all consuming at times. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like the way that I kind of think about it is like filling up your emotional cup again without that external force and learning really, truly, what is your identity and how do you fill that up? Of course, there's those, those cliches out there of like being better so that when you do see your ex, like then you're like a rock star and they're not. (laughs) <laughs> oh but. my goodness. I talk me down, Erica. <laughs> There's a whole show called Revenge Bod. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so well, let okay, we need <laughs> What is this show about because I my subspecialty which most of my listeners know is like body image and and eating disorders. So obviously, that show does not sound helpful. <laughs> Right. To be full disclosure, I don't know a ton about it by design because it makes me just have the reaction that I just had with you right now. (laughs) But essentially, I believe there's a Kardashian that had a breakup and really changed the shape of their body. And I believe the premise of the show is let me help you do the same. You can like see your ex and be like, damn, look at me. Oh, I'm right there with you. Like I'm having <laughs> the, the little anger party in my head. But I think I think the the point that you and I are both trying to drive home is that that it's just the body isn't the place for that. Yeah. I mean there might be like exercise per, does provide those endorphins that are helpful in those moments. Right. But he, but the biggest thing is is creating an identity that's without that person. And that right. doesn't necessarily mean your body needs to look any different. Right. In the same way that um, some folks say we need to take some space and we're going to both work on ourselves so that we can get back together. I kind of think that's like the cousin to I'm going to work on myself so that I can be like, look at me. Right. I think the intention behind our actions is so important. And we have to really get we have to get real with ourselves about like, why am I doing this? You know, if you want to go work out and suddenly take on a lifestyle of an athlete when you've never been one before, because that's what you want. And that's what makes you feel better. And you love feeling the way you do after a great workout, then like, yeah, you go do that. But the actions can look the exact same on the outside. And the intention like coming from within can be so different. And it can just totally become majorly unhelpful. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that intentionality, what you're talking about is super important because that intentionality, when it is only outside focused and only like, I'm going to be better than will only last so long. Right. It is time sensitive. It will not. It's not sustainable. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll jump off our soapbox because we could be there for a while. Yeah, I'm sure. uh, sorry, sorry. Thanks for <laughs> reining me in. You're totally good. So, like, these are intense emotions. Like, how have you helped folks deal with these intense emotions in particular? Like, when they're having to sit in those some of those intense emotions, what what are some of the things you're saying to them that that they or questions you're asking them to kind of get them acquainted with them? So, the main thing that I find myself doing is really normalizing, normalizing the pain, the intensity, the emotions. I think even for folks who maybe historically press stuff, like stuff stuff down or, you know, emotions or don't feel really activated by emotions. I think that relationship trauma or breakups can really, even the least feeling of feelers out there can make them really activated. And so it can be kind of blindsiding sometimes for folks of like, whoa, this is intense. So I normalize all of that. Everyone, you can expect to feel really crummy after a breakup. And then really encouraging folks to not make decisions from those places. And so that's whether we're talking about a breakup or not, whether we're talking about anxiety or depression or substance use, that's kind of a great rule of thumb. Like, let's not make decisions when we are highly activated because those aren't usually the best decisions that we make. That's how we end up having like breakup sex, right? You're feeling really lonely and you're feeling really down on yourself and you're feeling like you'll never be with somebody else. And so it's like, let me go prove myself wrong. And so really it's about learning to tolerate the discomfort and kind of riding that wave so that you can make decisions out of your most emotionally mature parts and not your activated parts. And so unfortunately that can feel uncomfortable, but we're all able to do uncomfortable and hard things. And that's really something that I try to drive home with my folks just saying like, yeah, this sucks and you can do it. Absolutely. I think that's just like, that is the best place for us to end is yes, this sucks and you can do it. <laughs> right. I, I think that's the best way that we can put it. So how do people find you in the world and what do you got going on? Are you taking any new folks? What What's happening? So right now you can find me at thebreakuptherapist.com or you can email me at lindsay at thebreakuptherapist. I am in the process of extending a bit of a coaching wing to my therapy practice. Woo-hoo. So right now I'm seeing folks for therapy in North Carolina. And I have a coaching practice as well so that I can help folks that live outside of the state. So all that information can be found online at thebreakuptherapist.com. I cannot wait for folks to jump on and get in contact with you. And if they, if you all have any questions for her, I know she'll jump on there in the email and answer them for you as, as best she can. And I'll make sure all of the contact info is in the show notes. Lindsay, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me on. We can do hard things. Yes, absolutely. So jump on to any of the podcast things that you use to listen to the show. If you're on iTunes, please rate five stars. That's how we get found. And Lindsay and I can get out to more ears. Uh, Thanks for sticking around and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. 
please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.